Hello, and welcome to the Smell Test Podcast, the weekly podcast where we review beloved movies from our past to see whether they today, as of October 2023, still hold up culturally, ethically, humorously, and through our own personal gut checks. We are in the middle of spooky season because we started in September, but this podcast, as a reminder from your lawyer friend, this podcast solely represents the opinions of the podcasters and is meant for entertainment purposes. So if we say shit wrong, sorry. For me, I am Jessica Homer. I am an attorney, and my areas of interest are employment, ethics, and compliance. I also teach at the college and law school level and am a yoga instructor. I am 41 years old, um, and that's a little bit about me. Let me introduce you to my co-host, Diane. Well, first off, happy birthday month to Jessica. Yay! 10 days till the birthday. Countdown begins. Woo! So um, you are 41. You're about to be 42. Um but hi, everybody. I'm Diane. As of right now, I'm 36 years old. Um, I do a lot of stuff, but it could be best summed up as I study a lot and analyze a lot of things. Uh, technically, right now, I'm a PhD student. We'll see how far how far I take you this. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, as of right now, I'm 36. I was born in the year 1987, which puts me in 19 years younger than this film. And I'm I'm just so excited. I have to say, we have a guest here. <laughs> you can introduce him. Okay. Well, he's he's he belongs to you, but um, I'll go ahead and say I'm excited because Jess's husband, Eric, is with us, and I don't get to see Eric that often, but he's uh he's like a, a nice uh accessory to, to Jess, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I mean, I know y'all are married and stuff, but anyway, hi Eric. Well, Tell hello, the- Diane. Um, oh, and I'm me. Eric. I'm I'm married to Jess. I'm a 49-year-old Gen Xer. Um, I have an engineering degree, um, and that makes me very um knowledgeable about everything. Everything that ever happened in the history of the world. <laughs> it, it gives me you credentials. Just know how the world works. Gives me credentials to, you know, express my opinions on every matter. Yes, particularly social social issues uh, of any variety of any variety correct correct so today we are talking right. about one of eric's movies the 1968 night of the living dead i'll set it up and then we're going to ask you why it's important so uh so night of the living dead first movie by uh george romero written by John Russo and George Romero and Romero would go on to make all of the other living dead movies for a long time, as well as really important films like OJ, the juice is loose also by George Romero. (laughs) So a very low budget horror movie shot in Pittsburgh. And then for one part, Louisville, Kentucky, um, for sound effects today, we have dogs under us whining because our dogs never leave Eric's side. So that's going to be our sound effects for today. Much like this movie that had no music in it, just a low buzzing sound, the whole movie. It was made on a a dime. Uh, a hundred, uh, what would now, I think today be $100,000 and then made... Okay, so today it, made, it was made for $114,000, which... In, if we calculate 2022 money, would be 941000 
uh, and it grossed 30 million at the time. So this is a movie that made intense amount uh, over what it was originally projected to do. And it is a story of seven people who have loose relationships to each other, uh, who get stuck boarded up in a house for zombies attacking them. We'll go through that in more depth, but that's kind of the regular plot line. So tell us why this was important for us to watch for you today. So first, I just wanted to say I'm a, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. Um, so I'm glad that y'all had me on the, the, the other day he came home and I and he was listening to something. And I was like, what are you listening to? Wait, was that me? So he does actually listen. I, I was I was preparing. Um, and, you know, I just I actually I wanted to thank y'all also for, you know, making me your your first uh, invited guest onto the show. No, that uh, was not. So you really don't listen, do you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Busted. Uh okay, uh moving on. Um, <laughs> so so for for this movie, um I think I watched it it was 84. Um so I'd have been about 10 years old by by the time we watched this movie, we had already seen, you know, the the first 3 Friday the 13th movies. I'd already seen movies like Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Terror Train with with Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, some of the the Halloween. So, you know, the the I had already seen a lot of things that were were, you know, uh, a little more extreme than than Night of the Living Dead. And uh, in color, right? By a lot of the the standards of of some of the movies I had had seen coming up to it. Um but it had a massive impact because it, it had a sequel that was Dawn of the Dead, which was always one of my favorite movies because it, um, you know, when I watched that when I was like 13, you know, that when they hem up in a, a, a mall and it was always like, oh, that's so badass hanging out in the mall, seeking shelter in the mall for the apocalypse. Um, so that just always struck with us as, as cool as shit. And then there was Return of the Living Dead, which kind of plays up as a as a semi sequel to to Night of the De Living Dead, where they play it all off. It's actually there is a little bit of of historical uh, truth to to Return of the Living Dead um, because it was it happened in Louisville, Kentucky, but they did nuke the city at, in the eighties to to prevent a zombie apocalypse as, as part of that follow up movie. <laughs> Um, but for, for this specific movie, obviously the, the impact, the, the, the reason, part of the reason why I brought it up is y'all's movies in the past have kind of been Lily White. Um, and wow. then when you, you, you know, you're 50, 50 when, when there was a person of color, whether or not they were, were performing some kind of brown face or, or, yeah, or actually a person of color. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, so in that vein, I actually had a lot of movies I was thinking about suggesting. And one of them was the, the eighties movie soul man. Um, and in that C Thomas Howell, he takes a whole bunch of tannin pills to 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 darken his skin color so that he can sneak in and get this college scholarship for African American, but he doesn't really play brownface because he's you know it's a suntan, it's totally different. But it did it did ruin his career for a little little, little bit. Okay. Um, so he wouldn't have passed the the, the smell test. So I thought. For, so he for already that. knew it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I opted for 
for this one because it has a it has a, an African American man who who you know plays the the central character the the hero if if you will and realistically in the the story of of 1968 um his race plays no part at all in the storyline um other than he was the hero for for the movie um but you know the 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 ending obviously is the the thing that you remember most about the the movie and uh that's the how ending because you know 99 percent of it it goes along and then you know that very last you know couple seconds all right it, well let's not get there yet yeah, yeah. let's uh so setting up for the movie diane have you ever seen this um funny you ask so eric just listed a whole list of sequels to the film mm-hmm. i've seen a few of the sequels um but i've never seen the actual original film so and i had never seen it we didn't like like i've said before we didn't really watch a lot of horror movies when i was young so except for my time at my neighbor's house yeah (laughs) it wasn't really part of it so the movie and you were sorry oh i was gonna say and you were scared shitless but yeah Eric, do I have this right? So you were around 10-ish years old in Kentucky. And you also, at this point, had seen films that I would say are both in color. uh, Because this one is in black and white. And featured uh, more gore and action than this film. Wow, the attention span you must have. Correct. That that is correct. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right, Jess. So what's the film about? (laughs) So we start with a brother-sister driving to put a a memorial thing of flowers on their dad's grave, Uh, Johnny and Barbara. Johnny is a dick from stage one of the movie. Uh, They're driving to a... He's eccentric. (laughs) They're driving to a uh, cemetery, which is actually a cemetery that's close to your family's heart. Correct. So, so I'd always heard the very opening scene in the the cemetery was was filmed in Eastern Cemetery in in Louisville, Kentucky. It's kind of right next to the. We have a a huge world renowned cemetery, maybe not world renowned, but whatnot. Cave Hill Cemetery, um, and then there's a little parcel right next to it that's Eastern Cemetery, and it's pretty much just kind of open. And Eric's family's kind of dark. Like they they would just go. To walk around cemeteries. Yes, they often take trips to Cave Hill Cemetery. There's, you know, Muhammad Ali's there. I think uh, Colonel Sanders has him a little uh, uh, tribute there um, and and lots of other. um, Yeah, it's just it's a really nice cemetery. So so the brother and sister are going to the cemetery for a dad that died quite a bit of time ago. They are young in their 20s. She might not even be an adult yet. Um, and they are, they had to drive three hours to get to this cemetery where Johnny relentlessly mocks Barbara, but also spends quite a bit of time griping about daylight savings time. So continues to be a problem. Understand that part today. Um, uh, and when they get to the cemetery, Johnny's making fun of Barbara a lot. He's teasing her. He's talking about, um, uh, the, the dead are coming back for you. And then lo and behold, the dead come back. And the first, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And the first uh, the first death of the movie is not a sad one because Johnny dies. So that was fine. 
And so we meet who we think is going to be the protagonist, and that's Barbara, where she escapes and is able to get herself into an abandoned house. You laughed a little bit. You have a feeling about that, Diane? I just have feelings about Barbara. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I think so, we, we, we can all agree that on a, a scale of, of uh, uh, one to a thousand, she ranks as useless. Uh, and, and I was going to say a zero she, on she, the usefulness scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is either catatonic or hysterical and nothing else for the rest of the movie. So one thing I just want to point out, because this never happens. Barbara is played by an actress named Judith O'Day. There you go. My last name is O'Day, but my last name is O'Day in the Middle Eastern style, which is E-H. My whole life, my last name has been misspelled the way that Judith O'Day spells it, which is O apostrophe D-E-A. So to see that on the wild for the first time was kind of kind of cool. But overall, Barbara sucks. So she ends up at this house, right? And, she's and then just pretty like... quickly, our main character, Ben, comes in. And Ben is uh, played by Dwayne Jones. So relevantly to cultural times, uh, Dwayne Jones, this is the first time a Black protagonist happened in a horror film, but also one of the first times that happened in a, any kind of mainstream film. And it was interesting when I read about this because the the Ramiro, when he talks about it, he says, I didn't, that race didn't have anything to do with the casting. I, there's nothing in it about him being black or white or any of those things. I picked the best actor that I could afford. Right. So that was his vibe through it. So I don't, I, I almost, I guess I want to launch the conversation before we get into the other characters is the idea that Ben, Dwayne jo- Jones, that he was cast because he was good, but he realized, that actor realized the racial implications, but the director just really lived like, yeah, he's the best one and this isn't a racial commentary, but it turned out to be a huge one. So I thought that was interesting comments on that no okay well we'll continue (laughs) well you're asking eric you're looking at eric let's make that i'm looking at both of you (laughs) okay so well i have thoughts so um today by the way is the the 55 year anniversary happy birthday night of the living today being october the 1st 2023 released on october the 1st so we are recording this on the 55 year anniversary of this film nice what else was happening in the the year 1968 martin luther king jr was murdered Mm -hmm. there's there's also the civil rights movement was really you know strong around this time so i think in a way i feel like george romero saying i just picked the best person for the job which is true you know and like in today's society we border on saying that's like colorblind or like merit-based or whatever but in a way back then george romero acting quote-unquote colorblind and choosing someone who was good was, was actually allyship and yeah. really revolutionary important for the time. yeah it was what yeah it was revolutionary and uh, so- they still don't they still don't do that today because the best person regardless of of you know physical attributes right 
Right. And so it's so it's interesting that because for him to get to a point where he can do that both legally and in a way where the film can possibly be marketed, that took a lot of work from a lot of people. Right. Because at one point this man was, you know, black men were slaves in this country. So that even just marks, I think, a pivotal moment in in cinema. Right. Sure. Um, also, I really hate to break this to you, Eric, but according to Wikipedia, which is not a verified source, <laughs> this does take place and was filmed in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I so I I think it's filmed in Pittsburgh. It says mostly filmed in, around the Pittsburgh area. What I saw. So it it uh, right. I, 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 at the last second I, I added clarifying remarks because you know I, I was not able to to document uh, the the claim about Eastern Cemetery. So the, okay, it's you called that my, my my heritage. <laughs> it's Evans City, Pennsylvania, the Evans City Cemetery on Franklin Road. Crushing. Thanks oh, for you just killed his dream. But well, no, I think that's actually that says a lot about the way that scary movies kind of we made them personal, right? Right. Because right. that is something that we can all recognize. We can all recognize the cemetery, and that's part of what makes it kind of creepy. Right. We and all knew. Wanna... Oh, sorry. What? I was gonna say we all know what a cemetery looks like, so that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one of the other things that's interesting about the movie is because it was made on such short dollars, um, they did things that ended up also having pieces of social commentary. Like the the they weren't called zombies, they were called ghouls by the by the people, but they were kind of the started a lot of the tropes for zombies, the flesh eating and those kind of things. But the the zombies were uh looked a lot just like people because they didn't have enough money to do the to do the um the different prosthetics and stuff so they just had like a little eyeshadow under their eyes and it became the idea that we are the monsters as humanity like by film critics later where i don't know that that was entirely his intent in his production you know george romero was very money focused he did a lot because he didn't want studios to tell him what to do so he would do the whole movie himself and then line up a distributor and do the production himself uh, so that he didn't have to worry about that kind of step in on the art. But he did do things pretty efficiently, you know, for that for that time. But it ended up also kind of out of this low amount of money, something beautiful can happen, which, you know, we were just before we got on kind of having a talk about poverty in general and while making a movie is not representative of poverty, there is that idealism that out of little can come a lot comes from this movie, right? On the back end, they made $30 million. They did okay. I mean, you, someone had to give them 100 million, 100,000 to start. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so after a little while of Barbara being hysterical and uh, then trying to talk her through it, we eventually learn that five people are in the basement. And those five people are Harry and Helen Cooper and their daughter, Karen. Those are the only people with last names, which adds in that, see, the dogs are going to be, but adds in that class element, right, already, because the only people who were granted last names, even in the screenplay, were, were the Coopers. So 
and then also Tom and Judy, who were a young, some scenes call them teenagers, sometimes call them early 20s couple um, that had all made it to this one location. So Ben came because he saw that there was a gas pump there. Um, and so that's why he parked at the farmhouse. Uh, and then uh, Harry and Helen and Karen were there because um, their car got flipped by the zombies and they ran there over a mile. Uh, so they're all now we know that they're all in the house and they were bunkering in the basement while they waited and heard all the noises above. So so the 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 impact about this movie to to me is that you said it it creates some of the zombie tropes. I'd say it's the zombie canon that we we use today. Um, it's one of the the first where you have the the flesh eating zombies. It's one of the first where it shows the the bullet to the brain or or severing the stem to kill them. Um, and then it's one of the the first that shows the the bite that infects them and turns them, even if it doesn't kill you with the with the little girl and the and the, the the scene there. So it sets a lot of the the things that really haven't changed in a, a lot of the zombie movies ever since. Uh, Return of the Living Dead introduced the eaten brains specifically, um, and it introduced the the fast zombies. But this was the slow zombie, the lumbering. Um, didn't call them zombies at all. Once or twice referenced them as ghouls, uh, cadavers, um, and then just mentioned them as being like attacking and biting flesh. Right. Yeah, so and that's a good point. So I was watching this. It's in black and white. I usually don't like to watch black and white films. I mean, you know, you give me which like a Hitchcock every now and then, but for the most part, I don't like old movies. But I'm, I was watching this, and you know, they have things where people are bitten or whatever, and then they get bloody, and you can't really tell that it's blood, right? Because it's black and white. But I was watching this under the assumption that this was very likely the first zombie film to ever exist and so then i started looking up zombies and like where that came from and where it came out of um in pop culture and it seems like the concept of zombies started in voodoo culture so mostly haitian culture and then Someone wrote a book called I Am Legend, which in 2023, like about what, 15 years ago or something, they made a movie on that story with Will Smith. But that's mostly vampires. But apparently George Romero took some of the um, inspiration from I Am Legend, which kind of borrowed from the Haitian, um, the voodoo style zombies and then made his own kind of like creature with it um but then it looks like he also says that he moved away from like the voodoo version of a zombie for this film um so i'm watching this thinking well today in 2023 right we have uh last of us is very popular right now which is a Mm -hmm. zombie video game and show on hbo now 
Um, we yeah, they also would, have, they, they would, they would note that it's not a zombie show. They're, they're, they're fun much, and they're much slightly much different, same okay. concept. Okay, but, but similar concept, right? And then, well, this one's for sure zombies. You got The Walking Dead, who just yep. for sure zombies, right? And so, zombie movies are very, very commonplace in today's society. And this was essentially the first one to exist. Yes, every every everything that every zombie movie from Shaun of the Dead oh, to, the to you know The Walking Dead and you know the Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Obviously, those were the the sequels that George Romero um, made, and and Dawn of the Dead is such a good movie that even Zack Snyder did a, a remake of it, and and he was even able to make a good movie out of it. And his movies are generally kind of trash. Um, <laughs> you know, now it was written, his screenplay was written by James Gunn, uh, the director who's done the Marvel movies and, and all of that. So that probably helped while the, his, the, the, the remake of Dawn of the Dead was still good. But um, well, and, and I do want to add in one thing about the zombie culture pulling from like the Afro-Haitian culture one of the interesting things so the first zombie movies started coming out in the 30s and what they were though was it's almost always black slave zombies and, and against white people so that's like another dimension that this movie adds to having a conversation about social commentary dealing with race it reverted it right because it was like the big bad black people die and then they become zombies because they're so ungrateful that's why florida is trying to change the whole system so everyone knows that slaves learn life skills i don't believe that america (laughs) by the way but in the um in the uh older movies what it often was was like just another demonizing of black folk in movies where the white folk were the victims and one of them i think was called white zombie Something like that. So there were a couple, not that many, but there were a couple that came out and it was really like the black guys were the bad, scary guys. Was that a friend of those? Because I I thought I saw a quick, I did a quick Wikipedia search on uh, the zombie history movies and I saw some date back till the 30s. I'm with you, Diane. That wasn't on Wikipedia. Uh, Solidarity Brothers. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mo- a bunch of movies made between the 30s and 50s that reference zombies. Yeah, so but... by having like the most of the zombies were white, and by having the protagonist as a black man also added that extra depth. I do want to say there was one really interesting article that I read that Dwayne Jones was um, cited, and he talked about. Listen, George may not have paid attention to the fact that this was going to be a big deal, but I did because one of the nights I was driving home and I had one of the extras was in the car with him and he sees a bunch of teenage boys come out to with a tire iron in their hands and they were kind of like slamming it against their hands to come threaten him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and isn't that some shit that I just killed a bunch of ghouls on a movie with tire irons and now they're coming after me. And he's like, so I was very aware of the racial implications of the movie. So that I thought that was an interesting little piece right there. Mm-hmm. Little mm-hmm. side nugget history of the movie. Side nugget. That's my fun fact for today. I, you know, I like a fun fact in the middle of the movie. But um, so so until I read the part that talked about George Romero, Romero not understand, like just casting the best person, 
I did write down, like I write note notes while I watch these movies and I wrote down, like, I'm just so surprised at the lack of outward racism in this movie. <laughs> Me too. I was bracing for it. I yeah. was bracing for hard R's. Harry Cooper, you know, Harry Cooper is a fucking racist. Oh, yeah. They just didn't say it. They just didn't say it, but essentially right. it turns into, so like all these films, right? These like, I would call like zombie survival type films. They always kind of end up or coalesce into a scene where you got a few different people from who got to that location by different means. And then it ends up being like a power play between like two alphas and yeah. whatever. And then someone dies, usually a vulnerable person, like a kid or an old person. And so mm -hmm. that starts to play out. This movie itself is like 90 minutes, right? I would say the first 30 ish minutes is spent with like Barbara just fucking <laughs> with Ben's character providing a hundred percent of the uh the laying out the storyline and giving you like a every a, fact yeah he's doing the play by play explaining to her and explaining to us what's going on <laughs> and, yeah like he gave so much exposition because <laughs> Barbara, aka Judith O'Day, was not helping him. Yeah, so Ben yeah, is yeah. like looking around and he's like, So I heard on the radio that blank, or right. um, we got it. He's like, We got to board shit up. And he's like, He's begging, essentially begging Barbara for her help. Please help me. Please. And then she's just, just go like, find a stick. She finds this little tiny picture <laughs> with like a ruler. Like and this, she's like so Judith O'Day, this actress is she's essentially supposed to be like in shock. Right. And so she's just like roaming around. But I just kept thinking, this is like an annoying drunk person. We've all dealt with someone who's been annoying and drunk or too stone, who like she was like looking at nails, this box of nails, and like staring at them and stuff, just being totally fucking useless. And he's like trying to hustle. And he's showing really impressive survival skills. But then, so eventually then they figure out there's other people there and it starts to become a, how are we going to get out of this thing? How are we going to survive? And basically Harry comes up and is like talking shit. Yes. He's talking shit. He's trying to take over. He's talking shit on Ben saying Ben didn't hammer the nail like he didn't barricade them safely enough and and then complaining that he could there were too many holes but also he couldn't see out of the windows so what were the purpose of even having windows back and forth the whole time yeah, yeah. and so mm -hmm. he's just complaining all the way and i couldn't help but think because barbara was also white i couldn't help but think throughout this film how this was just like such an example racism wasn't mentioned right but we did have the black man doing a lot of the labor Physical for labor. zero percent of appreciation. Physical labor. He did the whole house before the the Cooper. Or the Coopers even popped up. Yes. Yeah, so they heard it, the whole thing. And he was like, Y'all heard a girl scream and you weren't even gonna help her. And they're like, Nope. Well, it was the, the first two up were were Harry and, and Tom, mm -hmm. um, and then informed them that there were others downstairs and and um, the others stay downstairs because the little girl, Karen, was was hurt or ill. Um, and it was the mother and Judy downstairs. And of course, once you meet everybody, Harry's the 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 shit and he he's trying to 
sow the 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 seeds of uh, uh, discontent, and he's trying to get everybody down into the cellar and lock themselves in. And of course, Ben's like, "Well, that's dumb. We have no way out of the the cellar." And it's you know, the cellar's a last resort, but it's not the first place you go. You know, um, maybe heaven's they hadn't read uh, Lord of the Rings and they didn't know you retreat to Helm's Deep at the end. You don't go first. I don't get that reference. Me neither. But <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. So, um, well, I don't even know what that that note that I wrote. German Shepherd to find the black guy in the city. What's that about? <laughs> I would assume that has to do with the cops clearing the neighborhood oh, yeah. at the end. So at the same time, where they're all figuring out, we also learn that Sheriff McClend, played by George Kasana is on kind of this zombie hunting mission. So we have this very good goodbye and good luck style news reporter who was coming in reporting. They had access to a radio in the house. So the seven had the access to the radio on the house. And then they have uh, a cop that has figured out things like if you put a bullet in their head, then they die. If you can't put a bullet in the head, then you can bash them up and then light them on fire because they go up real quick. So so those are two kind of like parallel storylines that are happening at the same time. And then as they're internally battling on where they hole up in the basement or, or upstairs, um, they hear that uh, survivors are going into town and meeting at a, a, a safe house. Mm-hmm. Um, they realize they have a they have a vehicle, but there's no gas, um, but there is a pump out back. And Tom knows how to work the pump. So he decides him and Ben, Tom, the young guy, and Ben are going to go out and figure it out. Yeah. And then Tom's girlfriend jumps in the car. And they do find a key in the basement for the pump. So related to the two parallel storylines that you're talking about. So there's basically... There's radio slash TV that, like, a lot of this is shown on a TV tv Mm -hmm. screen and so it's showing both the local and the national response and i as someone who um studies public affairs policy um i was very struck by a few things i was struck at the level of coordination that existed between federal and local (laughs) so you all are talking about the shelter yeah they were able to activate shelters very quickly that's true um the reporter is in washington dc at the capitol building like talking to people and they're they're figuring out the cause they're figuring out what to do they're giving so much advice they're saying the government the military says to do this to do this to do this very clear and you know what the people who were watching and you know listening believed them like right. trusted government trusted they, that guidance the could. like the that was a fucking dream <laughs> you know, no, i'm thinking like about- every organization has an emergency response manager some made-up title now because they're afraid of things and there's no clarity there's no, no point in that there are a ton of people who do that job now whether you qualified can have or the clearest of of plans and yeah. it can still all go to shit. That's the whole thing with ethics is like, right. you can try to be rational and say, this is how we're going to do something. But once you're in the shit, you don't know, you don't know how you would act. And so 
this was a very, I would say, rational response. It was right. a very good coordinated response and people believed them. So then the primary like goal of the film starts to be like, let's get to the shelter because the government has like essentially figured this out for us. Right. Right. And in in that sense, that that portion of the movie definitely has not held up to the modern time. <laughs> um, That's a question we yeah, talk about at know. the end. That's how you know I, I this know. man is yeah. not Best the forty. Eric. Um, you, you know, but I mean the 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 the, the yeah. So so that's a very valid point. Um, and, and as you said, it, it did, I didn't think of it while watching the movie, but in, in retrospect, it's like, yes, yeah. there was a very, everybody worked together. There, it, there they was were a like, really we're going to stay in the news 24 seven, give you up to the minute updates. Uh, that was, yeah, that was very fair. We have experts see. who are figuring it out and they're yep. giving you, they're giving you expert advice as quickly as they can, you know? And so, I mean, that still happens, right? But you know, with COVID, we were getting constant updates of what they're figuring out and the development of medication and vaccines for it. Mm-hmm. But the other half of that is that you have to have people who trust and uh, support the legitimacy of the government in doing those things, and we don't have that as much today. Yeah, for sure. So they so uh tom ben and then judy also joins to go out to the truck and we it doesn't work out so well (laughs) and then we kind of see i think most importantly unfortunately tom and judy die at this time but then we see the first time that ben was majorly uh screwed over by cooper yes and that's the scene so so yeah, their car blows up. They're attacked by zombies trying to get gas into the the truck. Everything goes haywire. Uh, Ben's out there. He goes to run in, and and Harry eventually lets him in, but hesitates for a minute and leaves the door closed, and and eventually opens it and, and lets him in. And Ben gets in, locks the door, and then the the major the the first major confrontation occurs. Sure. So we know that the confrontation is coming, but I think almost the better confrontation is the confrontation between the Coopers. Yeah. Right. Because at that point, that's the first time that we really see in this movie moving past the hysterical woman trope. Like Judy was fine, but the wife was like, just because I don't like you. What does she say? Just because I don't like you doesn't mean I don't want to live through this or something. That's to stop being an asshole and listen to Ben. Yeah, so so when you do get introduced to Helen Judy and you don't really get to meet Karen, she's kind of unconscious in the in the basement. Um, Judy and Tom are are sweet kids. Um, Helen and and Harry are uh, on the verge of divorce. It seems they are sleep in another room, and um, he's he's kind of a cunt, and um, you know she's just kind of done with it. And she voices her opinion uh, strongly, um, and you know, in a couple more years, she 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 may be able to get a divorce from him. America. So we have both of these kind of conflicts with this one major antagonist of the film, and that's Harry Cooper. And then there's another betrayal, right? Um, so yeah, there's there's that point, and then throughout the whole thing. Um, 
the oh, Harry wants to get the the gun from Ben. Yeah. Um, so he wants to once once uh, Tom and Judy die, you know, he focuses on on trying to get the gun and get into the basement. Um, they end up in a, a struggle there, um, and uh, he gets shot. Yeah. So I found the the line. The line is Helen said, "We may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything." <laughs> and I was like, "Thank God! Thank we! I needed that moment in the film because I was so frustrated. Barbara had me so mad. Like I was mad the second I started watching the movie because she was so hysterical, and I was like." God damn, can there for a half a second she ran, she got herself to safety, and then she just collapsed and stopped. And I was like, uh, can't we just have one moment of not a hysterical or useless woman? And that I was like, Thank you, Helen. I needed you for my soul. <laughs> as bad as, as Barbara was, it took both Judy and and Helen to be really decent, like at least positive characters. However, to almost make up for the cringe that was Barbara. Helen. It's another Helen strong woman. But Buffy played Helen, right? Wasn't that her name in Yeah? Isn't that the Yeah, name? Sarah Michelle Geller's character and I know what you did last summer. Was yeah. named yeah. Helen. All right. Before we get to like the big kind of bad that we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a second, is there anything else we want to talk about from the movie? So uh, that the the scene ends up happening where where the the doors break in. Um, Wait, I said before we synopsize the movie. Uh, okay, so so I, I can't really recall the sequencing on the the shooting, the reveal of Karen, and and then the the return of Johnny. So okay, yeah. hold. Take it away. Well, is there anything else? Any other parts of it that are significant? You think? No. Okay. I think we've covered it. So we have a couple things go on in some kind of sequence. Johnny comes. So the zombies are able to break through. And I think that's in the same sequence where he ends up shooting. So the zombies break through the door. Harry tries to get the gun. Um, they're grabbing his wife, but then Barbara kind of actually comes through and does the one thing that's actually useful for it and kind of tries to save her. And then when she does it, then she sees her brother Johnny and kind of freezes. Um, because Johnny ben, is the zombie now. Yeah, Z- Johnny's the zombie. They end up grabbing her. Ben shoots Harry. Harry stumbles downstairs. Um, and then somehow the mom goes downstairs, correct? The mom's already gone at that point. Oh, so she... Karen had been bit. We didn't talk about that, but Karen had been bit. That's why she was downstairs. She was sick. She couldn't walk. Yes. And then this. And he comes down to see her eating her mom. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So everyone else dies pretty quickly. And then Ben ends up, unfortunately, having to go into the basement. He gets Hold rid on. Of no, 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 no. Wait, who comes down to see the Karen eating her mom? I thought that Mr. Cooper, right? No, he gets it first. Yeah, oh, okay. he gets shot and he stumbles down. And, and then, then she com- the mom comes down, Bar- not Barbara. Okay. Okay. Yes, after Barbara saves her, the mom goes downstairs. And sees Barbara- the daughter eating Harry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And then they the, the daughter gets her. I don't know. To be honest with you, I'm surprised I caught that plot point because it did yeah. get a little slow. And then and then Ben has to go down into yeah. his uh people made a lot of references to get out when he goes into the sunken place, kind of like idea that he even though he avoided the basement for so long, that did end up being his kind of place of last resort. Which was always the intent of it. You only go into the basement when you've lost your line of defense at the door because you control your destiny on the first floor and the basement you don't. So he gets into the basement, seals the door up, um, shoots the little girl, um, shoots the the dad, and then the mom starts to turn and he, he shoots her. Um, and then he holds up in the basement until the morning comes as the zombies have, t- or the, the critters have, the cadavers have taken over the first floor. He waits in the basement to, 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 to fight or die. And so one important plot point that we don't want to miss is that um, when they were describing these zombies, ghouls, whatever we're calling them, um, they described them as things that look like people, but act like animals which I think then becomes very relevant to the reason why me and my husband got in a huge fight this fucking week when he made me watch this movie. <laughs> okay, so all I've been seeing on, there's been like this these things on Facebook lately or Instagram or whatever that was like, LL Cool J was the first black man to ever make it all the way. Can, can I tell this movie. part of it? Because I, yeah. I want to I say this. Yeah. So, so listen to this, <laughs> Diane. Going into the movie before the movie starts, Jess was saying that she saw this meme about how, you know, give it up to LL Cool J for being the first African-American who survives a horror movie for Deep Blue Sea. And she said that she saw some people who then were like, bullshit. First, someone said Ice Cube. So, yeah, some, yeah, so she saw some people that said other other people, Ice Cube for Anaconda. And she said she saw people talk about this movie. So going into this movie I from the very believed. beginning, she she thought the she thought Ben was going to be the hero. I thought I learned from Twitter that Ben was going to live. So we made a joke. Movie. I made a joke about somebody being a survivor. She's like, well, we know Ben survives because I saw the meme. So we're going into the end with that. Well, about towards the end, she's doing a little research for this commentary and all of that. And she's like, wait, something here is calling him a tragic hero or something like that. And I said, quit looking at the damn internet. Just <laughs> Why watch are you the movie. Googling it before the, um, the Because movie. I was sure that he lived. Wow. So then our sheriff with his German shepherd. Spoiler alert, everybody. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't watched the movie from 1968, uh, turn this off. 55 years ago. <laughs> yes. Um, But uh, and then the fucking sheriff says to one of his guys who's trying to be a deputy so he's shooting zombies they see ben through the window come because ben hears the american forces coming through whichever army whatever they were he's coming after the morning he makes it in the morning he tries to come up he's walking up the stairs and the fucking cop shoots him Boom! dead movie in and i was oh and so the and then instantly the credits start scrolling. They pull them out with those big fish hook things and they throw them onto a pile to burn them with a hell in his head. And that's how the fucking movie ends. And I am so angry with my husband. He was He's the survivor for 99.87% of the movie. Boom. 
shot dead. So yes, that was that was the part of the movie that was most memorable to me and why it made it a, a movie that was, you know, you had to see at least once as far as zombie movies go, or as far as movies go and historical movies and black and white and and you know the 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 thing that it was for for cultural references and such. And then you get that that ending where the guy is you know he's the hero and then dies tragically in the last second so diane talked about how 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 you saw the end well <laughs> some great co-host and you're doing yeah that, right? eric is in charge of <laughs> because he's an engineer check out yeah. that segue um well so my thoughts related to that so i think that horror films particularly back then did not have this as a trope so i've been thinking i was thinking wow that was pretty unusual for that time and anytime essentially for me anytime i watch a movie where no one survives it messes with me psychologically so um so eric's paying your therapy bills this week bill well i was i was kind of shocked and i I, I was really thrown off. I thought it was wrapping up, right? I was like, okay, time time to go to bed. And then, nope. And so then when you think about the, the dynamics of that, right? In today's society, um, you mentioned Get Out. So, I mean, spoiler alert for Get Out, but Get Out ends with the Black guy surviving. Mm-hmm. And apparently... Jordan Peele wanted to end it with him getting killed by the when the cops arrived, but they changed it because it was too sad. Yeah. But ultimately, that's the reality. You yeah. know, black mm-hmm. people are getting killed for being asleep. Black black people are getting killed when they're sitting on their couch eating ice cream. Yeah. So. I don't know. It was, it was, you know, the fact I know Romero says race doesn't play into it, but when you're watching that and you see a black man fight so hard to survive only to be killed by police, by police, I I can't help, but, but think about that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the good thing that he does in the movie is he makes it to where they, they don't actually see him first. So it's not a situation where they have the, you know, shoots him and they're like, you killed the zombie. And the guy's like, the zombie? Question mark, you know, um, covering up the the blatant hidden racism of it. Um, they shot a person. They they saw some movement through the window, a shot, killed, clean and, and, and such. However, um, like that whole line early on that says they're like us, but move like animals for white people to have said that and then see a black person, which we have animalized in every every space we could in any kind of popular culture, it felt very pointed. Like if he wasn't black, would they have noticed that he was, would they have seen it the same? And I don't buy that argument. You know, okay. like I don't, I think that be, particularly because of animal reference, it was 100% that because they were a lesser species to white cops in Southern America, 
I, I saw the end being more of a I see movement and not I see uh distinction and and made anything like they're they're looking through the window they see it moving people. now I mean you know in this in this situation because <laughs> I mean obviously with the, the the they were some country ass Pennsylvania backwoods uh sheriffs so you know it would not be the the first time they've probably had uh committed some some civil rights uh violations um but you know in the 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 scene but it was still a brutal ending of the movie um you know the the hero they they tried to do a remake of this one in the 90s and i had a lot of enter enter uh so i i'd seen this movie and then i saw the remake so i hadn't seen either of them since then so when i was watching this one there were a couple points in this movie that i was misremembering from the 90s remake version so i didn't remember him shooting harry and harry going into the basement I remember Harry going into the basement and locking it first um, and, you know, saving himself and then his daughter having turned and she eats him after he betrayed everybody. Um, so I think that's what happened in the 90s version. And then at the end of it, after that happens, the zombies are chasing him and he gets out of the building and then the cops are in a helicopter and, and shoot the survivor in the in the the part of it. So the you know, re-watching this one, I had two key parts of the movie I, I was I was misremembering for the from the remake version. All right. So it seems like it's time for loved, hated, and cringiest pieces. Do, who wants to go first? Well, I'll go first since I am the the, the guest first. of honor yeah. and the man. So, you know, I mean, I, I do. <laughs> the white Gen X man. Yeah. He's a white Gen X man in the room, people. Everyone silence up. Everyone oh, shut exactly. the fuck up. He has something to say. <laughs> I'll do the summarization for all of us. Um, so the, 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 I'll, I'm going to start with the hated and cringiest part because I think they're, they both coincide, which is the Barbara um the 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 acting the role the uh cringe uh um trope of the the just completely fucking useless character uh it was painful dragging through at least 45 minutes with with her leading the the role or or being the primary you know other person luckily ben carried it all uh johnny did a poor job of carrying his scenes with with barbara um and the that but uh you know that was that was the the part that hurt the the most to to rewatch and and you know I still love that the the ending held up I mean it's a painful gut punch of a, an ending and going into it literally just just thought he was going to live the whole movie scene thing mm -hmm. and then she read that oh wait something happens to him it says he's a tragic hero so she knew something bad was happening and the movie was about to end and it was summing up and she still wasn't expecting him to get shot at the end on the on the zombie sweep so um it still it still holds up that's um, the next for, question for... he really doesn't listen <laughs> loved it hated it cringiest okay then so we talk about, about it it holds up that's what I loved about Jesus it. Christ. Okay, Diane, you tell me why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, get all my so, opinions out at once. <laughs> so I would say the um the the cringiest part for me was a moment where Ben just straight up fucking punches Barbara. 
Um, I shouldn't, I don't know why I'm laughing. She was annoying as shit. Um, but it was like super cringe. Um, you know, just to see that kind of like violence. But on the flip side, um, you know, the I've I have some roots in Oklahoma and the Greenwood Massacre, which is also known as the Tulsa Race Massacre, mm-hmm. started because a man touched a white woman. So in a way, it's kind of progress, I guess. Um, but my least favorite aspect of the film is also my favorite aspect of the film, which is the um, the fact that they had. Um, so this was made at a time when a lot of the people who were pretending to be zombies didn't know how to be a zombie. <laughs> and, and I just like it's it kind of took me out a few times because you know, in contemporary society, we have a very specific image in our mind of what a zombie is. And these zombies had dexterity. They were moving around in certain ways. They they had awareness. The meat that they were eating was all like a butcher gave them end of the night ham. (laughs) That's what they were eating. (laughs) So, So to me, like, it was both funny and it kept taking me out because I was like, ah, I know, I know zombies a little better than this now, but yeah. 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 And, and I would say though, the, the thing about it and that's, but you can't remake it because it's like the 68 original. So you have to watch this one and not the remake where the zombies are better and all that, because this is one that carries the, the emotional gut punch ending that really catches you mm, the right. black and white portion and, so I so my cringiest was everything that Johnny did in the beginning of the movie. I like couldn't come and go get you, Barbara. It, like it was like he was just so whiny and he wouldn't stop bitching and he's like And he wore driving gloves. She's like, You slept too and he was mad there wasn't candy and she's like, You overslept and he's like, Cause of daylight savings, but <laughs> it's still they were driving in the dark. So how long did you sleep? Shut the fuck up. They were just like little brats. And then he's like, we don't even remember the man. This is stupid. And the, she's trying to pray. And and he's like, that's for church. <laughs> you don't go to church, Johnny. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, but so I, their interaction and the and the hated part, um, you know, the visceral hated part was the ending. But I also appreciate why that that's such that's so impactful. I was just so mad. I really, she really was mad. Really, really was so angry at my husband that day. Her, but her. the the part that I love is that I love that regardless of the intentionality of the conversation that this movie brought up, there were so many pieces to it that had so much relevance even today to talk about. Right, like the reality of cops shooting the black guy and making him seem like a bad. I mean, like, if we think about even, you know, back Trayvon Martin, like, he's a scary person because he's Black and he's in a hoodie, but he was, like, a kid and he was running away. You know what I mean? Like, had the those things that the, the site, I don't buy that that wouldn't have been part of the plot point or didn't extend the plot point because he was Black, you know? So, so those parts that, like, really make you have these conversations still existing 55 years later for better or worse that they still exist 55 years ago. I do like how much this movie really did make me think, even though I think today's zombie movies are just action. Like there's not as much, 
there's not as much like meaningfulness to them anymore because we're used to them. So I I do like that part. All right. So does it hold up? Does it pass the smell test? Do you want me to start since you since I've uh, already said it three times through the whole yeah so so we will we'll discuss that um you know I think from a a movie standpoint the ending still still holds up from a um an ending shocking point um it's a movie in in sixty eight where you you have both. Um, an African-American uh, actor who who plays the lead hero role and race doesn't play any any part at all in any conversation of the movie. He just happens to be the guy who is there and is the hero of the group. Um, and in that point, it's still kind of it, it it holds up. Um, yes, it we're in 2023 and the the side of the the black uh, police officers shooting the 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 guy uh mistakenly um holds up historically um so all in all it's 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 a very uh movie that is just 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 wraps it all up and, and i think it hits on a, a lot of cylinders so yes it passes the smell test Diane. Yeah, I think it does pass the smell test. Um, I also just want to make a few other points about this yeah. film. It's our second film that we're featuring that's in the Library of Congress. Yay! So, it, so it this is and... <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Why not? <laughs> so, so when it comes to portraying a lot of... Um, so we see race, right? And, and it, it shows how a piece of media like that can take on a different meaning depending on the viewer and the perspective and experiences of the viewer. So contemporarily we, we can even find deeper meaning in this mm -hmm. film as it pertains to race relations, police, um, police brutality. We can look at it, this film differently because unfortunately the culture we have today. Um, also at the same time, that film really showed beyond like the um the zombies it showed a few it mirrored back a lot of fears at the time right so when they were talking about the zombies they also mentioned um that they suspected that like an airborne um like radiations like mm -hmm. some kind of airborne substance was causing it so which kind of mirrors the fear that was around the cold war right i think yeah. i'm not a historian but it just yeah. it's it's fascinating to me how it also mirrored a lot of what americans were really concerned with at the time a lot of people did have fallout shelters a lot of people were prepared to go into basements why because everyone was scared of atomic bombs and nuclear bombs so which I think might be the same thing. But anyway, what do you think, Jess? <laughs> Are you looking that up? Yeah, well, I was looking, I mean, yeah. So I was looking up the Cuban Missile Crisis in and of itself, but 60, that? that was 62. So 68, that's still been. Still that era, been, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would have definitely been in that time frame. And I, you know, I wonder if like, so first, 
I don't think it was the most entertaining movie. It, it, <laughs> like it, I would, I don't know you, that you I can see that he spent less than a million dollars making the movie. One hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. Oh yeah, he spent one hundred and fourteen thousand. So to that point, there were parts that were a little slow. There was a lot of yelling. So like, it, if I like the movie, it was I like the ideas that the movie brought forward i will not watch it again because i thought it was a little boring it felt a lot longer than 90 whatever minutes i'd only ever watched it once however i do think that the i think that it's you know okay so when we talk about like the constitution for example we talk about this idea of it being like a living document and that like it has it's supposed to damn the originalists right it's supposed to the whole point of it is supposed to be is something that we adapt as society moves forward as technology moves forward all those pieces in the same light i can see someone watching this movie in whatever social context in the next 50 years and find identifying markers with it hopefully it won't be like police shooting black people in 50 years in america but mm, we've taken a long time to get not very far so maybe um but i i do think that there are spaces how we treat women how we look at women how we treat black folks how we how we power struggle if we think that we're more important than everyone else like there's so many different pieces like that like the young optimism of tom to be the first person in that group to die like those all have some spaces that really i think will resonate for a very long time whether they're good parts of it or bad parts of it I think there's some resonance to the story that will that it does pass the smell test because right now it's not so far off the mark and it really gives a a, a plain and simple look because I think the structure of the movie being so simple really allows for a lot of input in how I would feel watching this in 2023 and how I would feel watching this in 2050. It it's yeah it's a pretty iconic film, so I think for those reasons that's why it kind of it passes. Yeah, the episode's about that, but I never found the time to work this in. But you mentioned Eric, you were mentioning the sequels, and so like the sequels is are interesting to me because they happen during different decades, so you can kind of see how makeup has advanced how special effects have advanced how the conception of what a zombie is starts to get more developed but you mentioned in particular uh day of the dead and you mentioned that you thought you grew up around where um the original was shot but day of the dead was shot in fort myers florida which is where we met yes that's our it oh, was it, yeah it was bad. it was the uh the the night of the living dead scene was was you know i thought was built filmed in louisville but no then, nuked yeah and then later on in return of the living dead is when oh. they they say they got to drop a, a nuke on uh louisville kentucky they like um, make a direct shout out so in day of the dead yes downtown I, I, fort myers is used I, and down so fort myers used to do i think you all had um hadn't lived there yet when it ended but they used to have something called zombie con every year around this time where everyone would gather downtown dress up as zombies walk around like zombies is that why they do it in louisville uh, they do it in they, they do a zombie walks in louisville it's as well fun. um so, yeah, so, so we, it's we, so we pervasive 
we yeah. did a ghost tour in 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 um Fort Myers Beach when one of those nights and somebody was talking about them filming the the day of the dead yeah. down there. Um, but I, I would also say b- before we go, I was going to chat with you about Nightmare on Elm Street, since you, you seem to bring up Nightmare on Elm Streets and in particular Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So, you know, just for, <laughs> for reference, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is where, where Freddy starts kind of getting more of his personality and mm-hmm. starts becoming the, 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 the talkative guy, you know, that's where right. he's trying to, trying to get into the real world through somebody, through Jesse's body. Um, you know, it's it's not as good, but then the the, the third one's when it gets that is probably the best of the Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's the Dream Warriors with uh Patricia Arquette's in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, if, have you seen that one? I've seen all of them, oh, okay. Uh, okay. of she's course. A, if, we'll, we'll get into my obsession with Freddy Krueger, but you're right in that characters, like even just in like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise or the Halloween franchise, those monsters develop personalities and become more and more complex, right? Yeah, yeah. So in, in theory, with the the story of of, of Freddy Krueger, by by later on when you you know he's all the personality and everybody's loving Freddy Krueger, at the end of the day, you're like, man, that child predator, uh, rapist, and murder. He's got some funny jokes. You know? All of our <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, that we are going to cover that. You. We've just fucked up our next schedule. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> but, and, and for real, no, though, but I, no, that is a great movies. point. So, so to that point, next week, we're going to get into the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, because that's one of my favorites. And so, we'll get thanks for the um, I strongly for, for encourage trailer two, two on that one. For you, yeah, he's but, just a horror. Fan. He doesn't know because he doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, she's yeah. a super horror fan. Have you ever seen Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two? Yeah, that was a good. One. Oh, wait. <laughs> Not Part One, Part Two, because you no. don't need to see Part One because all of the best <laughs> parts of Part One are cut from it and spliced into Part Two. So they take all the good parts of Part One and then make you know another thirty. That sounds or more efficient. It's 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 perfect. It take it's it wraps it all up and then texas chainsaw massacre part two is the best movie ever the part two or cool. yeah you don't need to see the we first one to really enjoy the first one month or, or the something second one. we're gonna have to do a sequels month and we still have to do our john cusack as an incel inspiration and, and i was like i got better off yeah. dead if you've oh, never seen God. that john right. cusack our, movie i, I was gonna make everybody. her watch it <laughs> well, Jess, any other announcements before we close out oh you can find us on instagram at uh the smell test podcast and we are on gmail at smell test podcast at gmail.com please let us know if you have a movie you'd like us to talk about and we look forward to hearing from you soon all right take care everybody thanks and if y'all babe. want me back send, send emails to jess okay thanks. all right bye, bye.